Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David. And I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and the First Task. Today we will be discussing Moody's obvious attempt to help Harry win the tournament, Harry's talents as a wizard, and Ron and Harry finally making up. Harry and Hermione are trying to figure out ways to get past the dragon to no avail. Harry realizes that Cedric is the only champion that still doesn't know about the dragons, so he pulls him aside before class one day and tells him. Moody then pulls Harry into his office and tells him that he did a decent thing by telling Cedric. He also gives Harry some advice about playing to his strengths and getting what he needs. Hermione teaches Harry a summoning charm so that he can get his firebolt during the task and use that to get past the dragon. On the morning of the task, Harry is extremely nervous and notices Professor McGonagall is too. Just before the task begins, Ludo Bagman tells the champions that the task is to collect the golden egg, and then before they start, he pulls Harry aside to offer to give him a few pointers. Cedric, Fleur, and Crumb all face their dragons, and Harry goes last. He manages to correctly summon his firebolt and distracts the dragon by flying above her and then luring her off her nest of eggs. He is the fastest champion to get to the egg and gets just a small cut on his shoulder. After the task, Hermione and Ron come to see Harry together. Ron admits that whoever put Harry's name in is trying to do him in, and they finally make up, Hermione bursting into tears as they do. The champions receive their scores. Harry and Crumb are tied for first place. Bagman tells all the champions the clue for the second task is inside the golden eggs. Rita Skeeter ambushes Harry as they walk home, and he brushes her off. So I want to start with something that's maybe not super interesting in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's notable because of who Hermione is. Um, All of this time spent in the library looking up how to subdue a dragon on your own, and they don't find anything looking through dozens of library books between the two of them. Yeah, that's true. Is is it just a failure of imagination on their part, being only 14 and never having had to think about this kind of thing before? Or are they just, like, not that good at researching? Well, what I was thinking about this is that they don't know what the actual task is, right? So they don't know until right beforehand that the task is to get the egg. All they know is that they have to get past the dragon. Right, but and still, so, like, that's what Harry knows, and, and that ends up being what the task is, is get past the dragon. It is get past the dragon, but it's a specific task of, you know, if they had known, I think they're thinking, like, do I have to stun the dragon? Like, they're just trying to think about, like... They're thinking Here's of any way that they can beat a dragon. Then basically. beat a dragon. But subdue. Like, and you don't have to subdue it completely, but like they fail to come up with any ideas over like yeah, days. Yeah, I guess know? that's true. But I guess I my thinking is like when Harry sees the dragons, he sees dragons. Like I don't think that he thinks he needs to kill the dragon, but I think that he no. thinks that he needs to like beat a dragon in a fight of some kind. Sure. And so in my mind, that is... You know, even if they're doing research, it's pretty hard to do. They're like, we can't do this. We can't do this by ourselves. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough people, right? So I think maybe they're not being creative enough. But I think if if Hermione had known that the task was to get the egg, I do feel like she might have thought of some other things. 
Yeah, and that is interesting that like the, you're being so specific about the like task is to get the egg. I wonder if you could have just summoned the egg using a summoning charm, <laughs> or would they have like blocked that somehow? They probably blocked that, yeah. Because like now, now that you're saying that that's like specifically the task, like right. Harry uses a summoning charm in the task, he could have just used the summoning charm on the egg, <laughs> just like summoned yeah, the egg to his that hand. That's true. And I'm... then been like, I win. Two seconds. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> World record. I know. Probably that was blocked, but it is, that is funny. I... Yeah. So then Harry goes and he tells Cedric about the dragons. Mm-hmm. And how does Cedric react and what does that tell us about him? So Cedric reacts as like, why are you telling me this? And I, he's. He's you know, skeptical. He's right? skeptical because he's not sure. I think, you know, he and Harry, they don't really know each other. They played each other in Quidditch um you know they met briefly over they probably think each other are fine but they're a little wary of each other they're also both like popular in different ways yeah and i think a little bit like there's some competitiveness even though harry probably doesn't see that and so he's wondering like what's going on are you trying to trick me also cedric as we know from the previous conversation Cedric thinks that Harry put his name in. Yeah. Because he's like, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I guess you don't want to tell me how. You right. Know? We, yeah, we talked about that. So if if Harry's giving him now coming and saying, here's the first task, it's like, okay, so like, who is this kid who's like trying to like get in this tournament? And now is he trying to like do mind games with me and trick me? But Harry's just honest and is like, you know, use it if you want. And he's just like, it's just fair, you know? And that's right. what Harry's about. And I think about. that's the key. Is that when Harry says that's it's just fair, right? Like every now everybody knows we're on an even footing. Mm-hmm. Then Cedric is like, "Cool," mm-hmm. because that's what Cedric values. Cedric yes. is like the epitome of Hufflepuff House. Right. He really values fairness and and hard work. And so when Harry comes to him on that level, Cedric is like, like very understanding. He's like, "I get that. Like that's I vibe with that." You know? What yeah, I mean? and like we we get the sense, and will we see later that Cedric does the same for Harry later? on with the egg but that oh cedric's like yeah if i were in your position i would do the same i would do the same thing yeah and and um we also noticed that cedric was shocked to to learn that they're dragons Mm -hmm. so he truly like had not done any like he he hadn't done any investigating he hadn't tried to cheat and he hasn't like tried to prepare for this because they said like the first task is all about how you cope with danger. You're not supposed to do any preparation. Right. You're supposed to just, like, come in blind, and then, like, we give you the task, and then you figure it out. So Cedric is, like, going along with that. He's, like, playing fair according to what he thinks the rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Harry tells him, like, hey, man, like, no one else is playing by the rules, mm-hmm. and I didn't want you to get blindsided. And also, we just talked in the last chapter about how... Uh, crazy, this dangerous, this task is. Can you imagine right. if they had no preparation... Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, Harry realizes that he wouldn't want anyone, even his worst enemy, to, like, go against a dragon unprepared. So it is pretty ludicrous that that's the task that they set verbatim. Um, But when the champions get some time to prepare, you know, a couple days isn't much, but it's something, um, they all do decently well. Right. They do. So, yeah, Cedric is, is really, like, appreciating this and getting this on the level. But that is an interesting point as well. We talked about um, how, you know, the heads of houses for the other schools are, like, co- directly coaching um, their... Their champions. Their champions, um, which Moody says in this chapter. And 
you know, and Harry is getting indirect coaching from Moody and, like, will be getting help along the way, triangulated by Moody. So Cedric is probably the only one, like, doing the tournament. Yep. Correctly. He's like, I don't have a guy. I don't have a coach. I'm, I don't have, it's not like Dumbledore is, like, helping Cedric. Right. He's and just, Cedric does really well on his own. He does. Like, yeah. He's a good wizard. Um, and so it's kind of unfair in that way. He's the only one that doesn't get direct help from an, from an older right. person. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about, um, Moody's motivation and, and his plans for Harry in this chapter. I, I would say that this on examination is the most obvious of his various plays throughout the book into trying to give Harry help because mm-hmm. he just comes directly to him and says, I'm going to give you some advice. And it's very like paternal in a sense, because, uh, you know, it's kind of like a sit you down and have a kind of conversation about your strengths more mm-hmm. or less. Um, but he's clearly just like obeying the letter of the law, but not the spirit. He's clearly coaching Harry on how to deal with this task. Yeah. He's like, I want you to win. Both of them know that Harry knows that the first task is dragons. And Moody's like, I'm not going to lecture you about cheating. I don't care that you're, <laughs> that you're cheating and I'm not accusing you of anything. Um, cheating is an integral part of the Triwizard Tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you some advice. Mm-hmm. I'm not cheating. Because I'm not breaking the rules, I'm just going to tell you, like, in general, here's what you should be doing and the actual when you words, have to deal with something like this. Right, and the actual words that he says are, are very general advice of, like, play to your strengths, get what you need, you know? Yeah. And he's, but, he really but pushes it. But the way it. that he manipulates the conversation is very clever, because he says, play to your strengths, and Harry says, I haven't got any. And Moody's like, um, you have strengths if I say you have them, mm-hmm. boy. And Harry's like, okay, so what am I good at? And he's like, I'm good at Quidditch. And then Moody's like, the next piece of advice is to mm-hmm, yeah, get yeah. what you need. And Harry's like, what do I need? And then Moody's like, okay, put it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. So it's like, as soon as Harry says Quidditch, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, moving on to the next piece of advice. Yeah, like, yeah. Keep that in your head. I'm not telling you that you're good at flying and you should fly. But I'm telling you that you're flying yeah. is good and that that's what you should be trying to do. Um, and, and Harry accepts this advice and this he help. He does. He does. And we talked a lot last chapter about, you know, Barry Crouch's manipulations in this moment. But mm-hmm. when we think about this specific scene, you know, he has really sat down and thought about how can Harry, specifically Harry, get past this dragon. Yep. And he has, and then how can I get him that information that he needs to mm-hmm. figure it out? And he knows he has Hermione that will help him. Like, he, he just really has it all played out. Um, yeah, I mean, some of it's left up to chance, of course. Sure. Like, he didn't know that Harry had a block around summoning charms that he had a lot of trouble with them. Right. But um, he's basically like, you know, this is a simple, straightforward spell. A 14-year-old can definitely learn it. And it will help you to get what you need to beat this task. And I know you can do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a good plan. I think it's a very good plan. But as I said, it's the most obvious attempt that he makes to try to help Harry win the tournament. Yes, yeah, so everything else is secondhand. And very behind the scenes, to the extent that Harry doesn't realize most of Moody's machinations until the end of the book when he, like, explains it to him. Right. You know. Um, speaking of um, people helping Harry, let's move on to Bagman. Because he also um, tries to help Harry with the task after they pull the dragons out of his bag in the tent and they're all waiting 
um, Bagman tries to offer Harry some pointers, and Harry says, "No, no, I've I've got a plan." Mm-hmm. And Bagman's like, "No one would know. We're alone. I can just like mm-hmm. tell you what I think you might want to do." And Harry's like, "No, no, mm-hmm. no, thanks. I don't want your help." Uh, why do we think? Harry accepted Moody's advice so readily, but doesn't accept Bagman's help here. I think Bagman is pretty, like, from the beginning, even when you don't know all that's going on behind the scenes, is pretty untrustworthy from the get. Like, I think Harry, even though he's, you know, not smart about a lot of things, I think he has a pretty good feeling about people. And yeah, I think he's he got really good intuition, I think. And I think he knows that he kind of smells the desperation on Bagman as well. Of Like, mm. something's going on here. I also think it seems much more like direct cheating because it's like somebody who is a judge. Yeah. Who is just, you know, was just doing a judge duty by giving them the dragons <laughs> is one second later saying, hey, it seems like a trap almost. It seems like, well, mm-hmm. if I take this, what is going to happen? And what am I going to owe you? Yeah, I think that's, that's also smart. true, and I think I think Harry has um, a strong moral center, and is like there's a line between just like getting advice from a teacher and um, like one of the judges, like you were saying, actively intervening on your behalf and trying to assist you. You know, Harry's like, uh, "Did you offer Cedric help?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No." But like you're the underdog, mm-hmm. and like you're 14, Cedric's 17, so. I'm just trying to even the playing field. And that appeals to Harry's sense of fairness. Mm -hmm. But he still doesn't want to go along with it. And I think really the crux is that it feels so different accepting help from Bagman as a judge than it does accepting, like, generalized advice from Moody. And even Hagrid, like, showing Harry the dragons, Mm -hmm. Harry justifies it by saying, well, now everybody knows about the dragons, so I don't have an advantage because of that. Um but, like, when Moody confronts him about it earlier on in this chapter, Harry's like, I didn't know that that's what I was going to be shown. Like, I I didn't try to cheat. Mm-hmm. Hagrid just showed it to me. Um, and so it's clear that, like, he doesn't want to be accused of cheating. He wants to win fair and square. He does. And he doesn't want any help. And, and I he think He doesn't want to owe Bagman anything, right. like you were just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't... It That just doesn't seem... Bad vibes are coming from that. And I think he's obviously... Bag vibes. <laughs> I think he's obviously right not to not to take that advice. I'm also like, what advice would you have, Bagman? You know? What would be his tips? I guess... I don't know. Like... We'll never know. We'll never know. But I wonder if it was like... Because, again, behind the scenes, he's like, okay, this is like the weak spot on the dragon. Like, this is where we... Or this is how we... This is where the egg is. Like, this is... You know, that kind of thing. Of yeah. Like, maybe it's some some details like that. Or yeah. maybe it's like, hey, the Horntail, this is her attack pattern. You know, she mm-hmm. likes to um, breathe fire, but if you annoy her too much, she'll send the tail out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, um, something like that. I don't know. Maybe it would have been something more direct. Maybe it would have been something more innocuous. We'll never know. But um, certainly Bagman thought it would help Harry. Def- so right. it would have been some sort of advantage. I also think that description of Harry's feelings while they're in the tent and he's like waiting to go out, um, the anxiety that he describes that whole day of like, um, you know, eating breakfast and, and then like someone coming to get him. And it's just like, you know, the whole day of like everything that he describes, the feeling of anxiety being like ever present. And it's a very, very good description. Mm-hmm. I think. It is. Yeah, it really is. The way that everything's kind of distorted and like 
sounds are too loud and like things are scarier than they really are and um sensations that you feel are like unreal and and strange and dreamlike um like extreme anxiety really does feel like that to a lot of people and i think it's it's well captured it's well written so i was thinking a little bit about you know what harry does in this task which is flying which was you know his strength as moody says and i think it's actually helpful I don't know for other people, but I guess for me as a reader, um, that he gets by the dragon by flying because I think... And not by magic. And not by magic or not by some other, like, yeah, kind of more extreme way of, like, tricking something because he's not, he's not super smart. He's not the best wizard, you know, yet, Mm -hmm. or even when he's older, he's not the best wizard. He just gets... You know, he's brave and he has some, you know, he has some talents and he gets lucky a lot. And I think, and he's put in, he's kind of thrust in these situations and has to learn. But I think if it were something like where, you know, Moody had taught him or somebody had taught him the spell to stun the dragon somehow. And he had like practiced really hard, almost like the Patronus type thing where he had like, either trained or practiced or done something where it was like really hard magic to do and he managed to do it in this task i think that would have felt you know way more unrealistic and also just kind of Mm -hmm. annoying i think it makes sense that he is flying because we know that he's good at flying it's it's just not um it's not forced in a way yeah and the author kind of puts that scene in there anyway by having him struggle so much to learn the summoning charm but she makes a point of saying like the summoning charm is very basic fourth year spell. Everybody yeah. else in Harry's class mastered it no problem. He just needs He has trouble with it and then he has to overcome that trouble to be able to do this at, right. the, at the first task. But it, it's that same sort of training montage type type thing that he did with the Patronus charm in the mm-hmm. last book. It's just on a on a on an easier level yes, here. Yeah. <laughs> but over the course of only 2 days instead of over the course of months. When Harry gets the scores at the end of the task, mm-hmm. I think this parallels our, our conversation a minute ago with Bagman. Bagman gives him 10, and Harry is really uncomfortable with that. But then Karkaroff gives him 4, and Harry almost doesn't care. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, well, I do think, like we were saying about Bagman, you know, he doesn't trust him. He feels like, what do I owe you now? Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that Bagman just tried to offer to help him cheat. Yeah, actively. so he's kind of like, what's your angle here? Yeah, maybe. he he doesn't, it doesn't really count. Um, and I think for Karkaroff... First Karkaroff, you're like trying to help me, now you're giving me a perfect score when I got hurt. Like, what? Why right. Why are you doing that? And I think Karkaroff, he's just like, whatever. You know, Karkaroff is almost, you know, not as personal, obviously, but is almost like Snape in his mind. It's like, he's, he's uh, not going to like me. Yeah. Yeah. And now he knows that he's a former Death Eater, like... Yeah, so when he gives him a four, he's like, okay, whatever. He's like, yeah, I'm never gonna get good scores from him. Right. And and uh, Karkaroff, like, hesitates. He's like, what's the lowest score that I could get away with giving him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what he ends up settling on, which is interesting, is having Harry tie with Crumb for mm. first place. And Karkaroff desperately wants Crumb to win. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that he gives him four so that he's tied with Crumb instead of giving him three, which puts Crumb in the first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I think that's interesting. That is interesting. I wonder if, you know, we don't really know about their scoring systems or anything behind that, or if it's just totally based on their whim, but maybe... Like, I assume it's just whimsical, but but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think there would have been some sort of outcry if Kargaroff had given him zero, you know? Yeah, yeah. For example. Like, the, he might have he might have been able to argue a four for people for some reason. Sure. Um, yeah. So Ron and Harry make up, finally. Um which is is a good you know a fun scene and it's such a great scene it's, just, it's 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 i love this chapter me too it's such great an chapter. overwhelming feeling of relief yes yeah, so much as, relief. as described in the book but also like as a reader once harry finishes the task it's just like all this anxiety that had been built up as we were talking about in the descriptions of everything over time gets released and then ron comes in and, and they make up and everything's better um it's like a weight lifted off harry's shoulders and the readers as well yeah and i think you know if the if the author had dragged out the their fight longer um it would have just you know it wouldn't have made sense for a lot of reasons but it really just adds to like the joy in this moment yeah and also the feeling of like we're all like we've been talking about is like like wow that was really dangerous you obviously wouldn't have put your name in you know on your own like i think somebody's trying to kill you because you almost died is in from his from his perspective yeah no that's that's really true and i think that's what brings ron around on this is being like oh my gosh a dragon you know like they've seen a dragon before as a baby and they were like this is dangerous and i think but i think what really brings ron around is like watching harry in danger and realizing you know this isn't fun I for love him. Harry. <laughs> and it's it's not a problem for him, but also I love Harry. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. And I'm scared that maybe, you know, something's gonna happen to him in this tournament and you know, I just like this isn't worth it. I Yeah, I agree. He's my friend. Like like it clarifies to him like what is important. And then, you know, to Ron's credit, he doesn't like entrench himself in this um misguided belief that he had had that Harry put his name in. He doesn't say like double down and and be like, no, he definitely did put his name in. And like now he's just enjoying the attention and enjoying the danger and all that stuff. He's like he changes his mind Mm -hmm. Um, and he comes around and then Harry realizes that what they were fighting about was really stupid and he doesn't actually need to hear an apology. Um, And of course, that makes Hermione break down into tears and Harry's bewildered about why. But we as more emotionally mature readers... um, I think we kind of understand that better at this point. I certainly didn't understand it that well when I was a child reading this for the first time, but now reading it again, I'm like, yeah, Hermione's right. Like, they're both really stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, and I think she, like we said even earlier in this book, like she, or in this chapter, like she's been doing a good job kind of keeping it all together, but. Um, it just bursts out. It's been really hard for her. And she's she has been going back and forth and trying to just like not ruin things and wait for them to be mature but they they're not and the ending is that they're still not mature ron just finally <laughs> gives in right and but harry i mean but harry also gives in you know this yeah, is a reconciliatory yeah. moment and both of them are capitulating at the same time yeah, yeah. and hermione's like this is all you needed to do all along is just both agree to drop it mm-hmm. but instead you were too stubborn <laughs> it took all of this you're so yeah until you could just drop it but like 
it was always this easy to do. Right. You just never did it. That's why she's crying. That's why she calls them stupid. Is because they they didn't have to keep going. Yeah, it was totally long. unnecessary. And I think well, we don't have to talk too much about this, but I do think that paralleling their later fight in book seven, the more bigger fight between Harry and Ron. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting is that you know it is kind of even though it's like Harry also giving in at the end, both of them end with Ron kind of coming back, being like, "I was overreacting," or. I was crazy or I was influenced, you know, he was, it's all like Ron kind of having an intense moment. And then after some amount of time, second time, much longer, he comes back. Yeah. He's a bit of a hothead and it comes back to bite him in that book more than it does here. Um, But it, it is a good parallel in a lot of ways. I think that's a good point. I love Harry's little short reflection on, the anxiety of waiting to face the dragon versus the danger of actually being Mm -hmm. there facing the dragon in person. Um, I've used this in my own life when thinking Mm -hmm. about how anticipation is often worse than the thing itself um, and trying to gain some perspective on that. So that's, that's a way in which this book has helped me in the real world navigate some, some difficulties. Yeah. I think like you're saying, it's a great, it's a great description of anxiety and, what it's like to like have perspective on your anxiety when yeah. it's over and it is it's a great um it's a great analogy for for that yeah it's always useful to remember that you know when you're really nervous about something and you're building it up in your mind um often just getting it over with is um not only a huge relief in the sense that you won't have that hanging over you anymore but sometimes the Anxiety blows things out of proportion and it's a lot less challenging than you anticipated. So the last thing that happens in this chapter is Rita Skeeter kind of appears from nowhere again as Harry and Ron Hermione are walking back to the castle. And Harry feels empowered this time to say, like, I have one word for you. Goodbye. And he's very... (laughs) So edgy. So edgy. But, um, you know, it's great because we started this chapter... um, well, and last chapter as well with just kind of the the aftermath of her article mm-hmm. really just hanging over um, Harry and Hermione and everybody. And he's just realized like, oh, you screwed everything up. You know, you're so annoying. And then he's just elated right now. He's like, I can do anything. I literally just got past the dragon. Like, you don't matter to me. And yeah, so that's why he feels so empowered. You think I don't need to play because, this game. Yeah. Like, he's like, I am on top of the world right now. So, like... I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough to, um, face down this, like, annoying reporter. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, and also because he has his friends back. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is, like, Agreed. Ron is back with him and he doesn't feel like, you know, he feels more confident and he's like, Ron believes me. I, you know, I believe myself. Like, I know myself. You say whatever you want. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening to Harry Podcast and the First Task. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter. If you have thoughts or questions about anything we discussed today, especially the descriptions of anxiety and anticipation of danger in this chapter, please email us at contact at theharrypodcast.com. You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next time when we fight for our rights in Chapter 21, the House Elf Liberation Front. I'm Madeline. 
And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on The Harry Podcast. Knox.